You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Bears Over Beers, the podcast that takes deeper dives in order to serve up cooler takes on the Chicago Bears and the NFL. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined on the other line by E.J. Snyder, our site's lead draft analyst. E.J., how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We're recording this on Father's Day. It's a Sunday. Got to spend some time outside. Now I get to talk some football, drink some beer. Pretty much rounds things out real nicely. Well, it's a pretty decent Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to you. And I got to know what beer are you drinking today? Oh, excellent question. Um, I have... Kawanda Pre-Prohibition Cream Ale from Pelican Brewing. They're down on the Oregon coast. And Kawanda is actually the name of the cape that's near them, Cape Kawanda. Start of the stunning Three Capes scenic route, if you've ever seen pictures of the Oregon coast with the big rocky mounts off the coast. Um, Cape Kawanda is one of those. And they actually do have a uh, brewery and tap house right on the beach, which is fantastic. You can have a beer and walk off into the sand and drink it and look out at the cape which is pretty cool but this is a cream ale says inspired by one of america's traditional 19th century beer styles golden color floral aroma refreshing body clean snappy finish i think that's pretty close i have had it before but i've got a nice big cold 22 ounce bottle of it today and we'll be pouring it into a nice icy glass so uh what do you have well, first, as you know, I'm an Oregon State grad, so I have had Pelican before. I uh, can't remember Excellent. the specific offerings, but I remember thinking that they're a pretty good brewery. Uh, today, I'm, I have a, a themed beer for our show today. We are going to be talking about cornerbacks for the show. And so I got a beer that represents my favorite cornerback of all time, and I believe the Bears' best cornerback in team history, Peanut Tillman. I am drinking... A beer called Sweet Baby Jesus. It is a <laughs> it is a chocolate peanut butter porter. Uh, so we will peanut. So we will see uh, what kind of uh, punch this this beer brings. Got it. Yeah, right, so let's, let's open them up. Let's open these things up. So this is yet another beer that I got on my East Coast trip. But this is actually an East Coast beer. It's made in Baltimore, Maryland. It's out of Duclaw Brewing. Um, the only thing I know about this beer is that uh, people like it so much that they bring it into their weddings. It's a, it's quite a popular local brew, so I'm pretty excited about sharing this one with everybody. you got to be pretty committed to bring in chocolate peanut butter porter to your wedding. <laughs> this, that, that was the story that I heard about it, was that it was like casks, uh, or you know, kegs of its cell uh, for for wedding parties. And I was like, "Wow, really? I'm I'm so, impressed. That's hardcore." So I I thought we were hardcore beer people, but I I did not have any chocolate peanut butter porter at my wedding. So, um, 
anyways, yeah, I'm going to dive into this. It is, uh, it does have a very nice light golden color. Uh, not too much head, but some there. Um, pours pretty smooth in it. I forgot to mention the ABV. I think it's 5.6? 5.4. Uh, 5.4 alcohol by volume. Only 25 IBUs, so not too bitey. Very smooth finish. Easy to drink when it's warm. Um, but thoroughly delightful. Yeah, mine's 6.2. Kind of tastes like a like a Reese's peanut butter cup a little bit. I, I can I can dig it. <laughs> so I, speaking of Reese's peanut butter cups, since you brought it up, we had family movie night last night. We went to the store, got some treats, and they have uh, Reese's thin. So it's the same pretty much diameter as a regular Reese's peanut butter cup, but it's about half the thickness. And they have them in dark chocolate. Oh, okay. And they're really good if you like dark chocolate it's dark chocolate peanut butter and not quite as not quite as thick not as quite as much peanut butter in there um hadn't seen them before last night yes reese's thins um not a sponsor yet but uh oh boy, good. <laughs> well the thing about reese's is that they're that peanut butter is so sweet there's so much sugar right. in that peanut butter that it's it's you know with the milk chocolate it's just it's just kind of a sugar bomb but right and now they have half as much peanut butter and making dark chocolate which is a little more bitter might balance that out a little bit so yeah yeah i think they're great and they sponsor the senior bowl so i, I think oh. there's a tie-in here right yeah there you go yeah well i want to start off with a game today we talked about this earlier this week and i'm really excited to see what you have come up with because i've been working on this a little bit and i am ready to dominate this game so what we're going to do is we are going to have a two-man snake draft where we're going to draft an all-time bears secondary and we we made the cutoff that they had to be playing on the team 1980 or later for them to be eligible so the two of us are going to draft two safeties and three corners to try to come up with the best five-man secondary that we can come up with. And we're going to do what's called a snake draft, which is where one person gets the first pick, the next person gets the next two picks, and then it goes back and forth until you finish out. And so I asked EJ if he wanted to go first or second, and he was very kind in offering me the first pick. And you may have already guessed where I'm going to go, given my beer choice. But I'm going to take the best cornerback in the history of the Chicago Bears. I'm going to take Charles Peanut Tillman with my first pick. Tillman gives me a first-team All-Pro. He made two Pro Bowls, should have been about six. He's third in team history with 38 interceptions. He's first in team history with nine defensive touchdowns. And he forced 44 fumbles in his illustrious career. The guy should be a Hall of Famer. Not sure he'll actually ever make it just because the league was so slow to realize just what a special player he was and what a difference he was. But he gets mentioned every week on uh, game day where some corner will come up and try to punch out the ball. They'll call it the peanut punch. They'll, they'll mention him. He's had a long-lasting impact, and he's a great dude. Walter Payton, Walter Payton Man of the Year during his player career and just an absolute uh, joy to follow as a human being. So... Peanut Tillman will lead my all-time secondary. You're on the clock. Yeah, Tillman was on top of my boundary corner board. Um, definitely in the running for top player overall. So fine pick. Slides one off my draft board, but as it's a snake draft, I get the next two picks, so I think I can make up for it. Um, I'm going to start off with a free safety, uh, break your heart a little bit, and take Eddie Jackson. Oh, my God. Uh, 
Yeah, see, right, just the daggers. We're starting with the daggers. You take Peanut, I take Eddie. See, have that. No, I believe Eddie's going to end up being one of the best uh, safeties to to certainly ever play for the Bears and possibly in the NFC North and maybe in all of the NFL if he stays healthy. I realize that's really lofty praise for a guy that's hitting his stride and things can go up and down. In fact, we've seen lots of Bears defensive backs go up and down throughout their careers. Uh, Eddie Jackson looks like a strong contender if he stays away from injury to be a fantastic free safety. I think he's right up there as one of the top free safeties in the league right now, easily top three in the NFL. If he keeps playing like that as such a young player and the Bears lock him up, which I imagine they will, again, if he stays out of trouble with injuries, he's going to he's gonna have some all-time team records. He's going to have a great, great career. So I'll lead off with Eddie Jackson to free safety. And then i got to go back to boundary corner. Um, I think I can get uh, slot corners and strong safeties a little bit later in the draft. And you already took... You already took Tillman, so that leaves me with um, either dipping into the historical pool or going with a guy who I think is a little bit underrated, and I'm probably going to do that. I'm going to take Kyle Fuller um, as a boundary corner. I've got some other corners on the list that I think, again, for their era, um, stretching all the way back to 1980, played pretty well. Uh, But I think Fuller, again, has really found his stride. I loved him coming out. was a was a big fan. He had a pretty pretty solid rookie season, and then he had that sort of mystery sophomore season that really didn't work out. Eventually, found his stride back under Fangio, and has played great All Pro level football at the outside. Um, really aggressive, great tackler. Um, plays the boundary very very well. Good size, physical guy. Um, just getting smarter, better uh, at countering routes. I think Fuller's a great player, so I'll lead off with actually two current Bears, Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller. Well, you know, that's exactly what I thought you would do. It breaks my heart, but it's exactly what I thought you would do. And I, you did mention that you think that Eddie's going to have some team records before long. He already has five defensive touchdowns. Tillman has nine. I think at mm-hmm. some point it might be this season. It might be next season <laughs> where we start talking about how he might break that record. That's something I want to talk about down the road for potential records that could that could fall. He's just got such a nose for it. And those things are so variable year to year. Of course, he could go a couple years without scoring a defensive touchdown. But that's definitely something that I think we got to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's that's tough. That hurts me. So my my next pick is um, I'm going to take Donnell Wolford. Oh, 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 more daggers. <laughs> he was the, he was the guy that I was balancing with Fuller. I was like, Danell Wolford in his prime was very very good. And if I hadn't taken Fuller, I was going to take Wolford. So you're, you're hurting me. It was my so other, that's it. It was my other outside corner. You got a great duo with with Tillman and Wolford as your outside corners. That's uh, that's that's a talented starting lineup right there. So Wolford only made one Pro Bowl in his career, but he was, I think, really underrated on those teams because they just really dropped off uh, overall. They lost a lot of that 85 defensive talent by the time Wolford got there. But he has 36 interceptions in his Bears career. Uh, that's fourth in team history. And so he's he definitely knows how to take the ball away. I think that gives me two really good uh, cover corners that like to turn the ball over. And then I'm going to go with even further back for my – for my next pick, and I'm going to take safety Gary Fensick. And oh, he's on my list. Maybe a little bit of a surprise there, but I'm I'm going with him because he has 38 
interceptions as well, first in team history. And he had two Pro Bowl, and he had a one first team All Pro. Just an absolutely stellar year for for Gary Fensick. He was integral to that Super Bowl defense and smart guy, team leader. And so really excited about adding Fensick to the list. Yeah, I had Fensick on my list. He was not uh, first uh, in my strong safety, so it doesn't hurt me as much as a guy like Wolford. Um, But a great player. I got to watch Fensick play a little bit at the end of his career. He's a very smart player. Um, Yeah. That's that's a good add. He's gonna he's very heady player, and that's gonna give you an anchor back there. Mm, interesting. So now where do you go? Yeah, that's the that's the question. Is you do you go for do you go for a slot corner uh, that you think is is really good, maybe better than one of your boundary corners? I think that's probably since you got Fensick as well. That kind of leaves me a little bit of little bit of leeway at strong safety. Here's the draft strategy, right? What's on the board? What do you need? Um, interesting. Well, and I've got a wild card that I could play at either safety or corner because oh. he played both in his career. Um, and I'm not sure... Positional flexibility. Positional flexibility is really nice. I like that. Um, interesting. This is good radio yeah. right here. <laughs> I know. Great, great stuff. Um, yeah, I guess I'm going to go with... Yeah, I'm going to take Tim Jennings... Okay. I'm gonna play him at, and I'm going to play him at slot. So that gives me a slot and outside with Kyle and a free safety with Eddie Jackson. And then okay. I'm going to grab grab Tony Parrish. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. Had a better career with San Francisco than he did with the Bears, but I his early career was the Bears, his late career with the 49ers. Really good player. It was between him and Mark Carrier. Um, really liked Mark Carrier a lot. I think Parrish brought a little bit more as an athlete. Uh, overall, Carrier was a very good hitter. Um, had pretty good range as well, but was more of a sort of intimidator. Parrish was that, but um, played the pass, I think, a little bit better than Carrier. That might have just been era. Um, so... Yeah, I'll go with Tim Jennings and Tony Parrish. All right, well, I'm I'm at a, you know, we you talked about playing the strategy, and for me, once I heard you say Eddie Jackson, I thought maybe I could see if Mike Brown would just slide to me. So mm-hmm. I will take Mike Brown, even though he's very high on my board, and and actually I considered the idea of drafting both of them if the opportunity came and just saying, I'm just going to figure it out with those two guys. I don't think I need to remind anybody about Mike Brown, but he also made a first-team All-Pro, made a Pro Bowl, had 20 interceptions, seven career touchdown defensive touchdowns, eight forced fumbles, eight fumble recoveries. So definitely a guy with a nose for the football. So that's going to pair nicely with Mr. Fensick back there. And then I just need a slot corner. And I struggled with this, and you took a guy – that I did not consider for slot corner, so that's interesting. 
And so I uh, have a few guys written down, but I'm actually going to play Jerry Azuma at slot corner. Nice. He, he made the Pro Bowl mostly as a returner, and he's a really good special teamer. He's got a lot of speed. Uh, he's got a lot of wiggle. I think he could he could hang in the slot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play Zoom in the in the slot. Nice. I had Zoom on my list. I, I had him as a boundary corner, uh, which is where he played uh, when he lined up as a starter of the year that he started with Tillman. Um, but yeah, I think he could hold up in the slot, and that leaves me with just needing that last boundary corner great pick on brown though brown and fencing would be a would be a fantastic kind of historical duo to see if they're both at their primes so boundary corners i've got uh, because i had zoom and you took him uh, you took tillman you took wolford so i've got walt harris and leslie frazier left and then my my wild card that could play safety or corner is sean gale oh sure yeah so it's between harris Frazier and Gale uh, as a boundary corner because I've already filled out the other positions. Um, I liked Harris. I thought he was really good. Frazier, not as much. So it's really coming down to Harris and Gale. And I don't think there's a, a knockdown winner there, but because we're going straight for boundary corner and the positional flexibility doesn't come into it, I'm going to go with Walt Harris. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I, I like Walt Harris. He's solid. He's solid, and at this point in the draft, that's what we're looking for: is is a solid player who played really well. Um, wasn't definitely wasn't a superstar. Didn't have tremendous numbers, but had was was pretty durable over his career and and played pretty well, um, mostly as a number one. Even though he you know may not have been cast as that on other teams, but um, so that gives me a a starting five of Fuller and Harris at the boundary corners, Tim Jennings in the slot. Tony Parrish and Eddie Jackson at the safeties. So I've got Tillman and Wolford, my corners. I've got Fensick and Brown at my safeties. Almost doesn't matter who I put in the slot at that point, but I really like Jerry Azuma in the slot. I want to mention a couple guys that I had written down that didn't get drafted. Sure. DJ, DJ Moore and Bryce Callahan. Yeah, I had Callahan on my slot list. He was behind Jennings. Um, Mark Carrier, of course. Three Pro Bowls, 1990, uh, uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. He finished his career with 20 interceptions as well. He could take away the ball, and he was a big hitter. So he would have been a good addition. Of course, Dave Duerson, four Pro Bowls, 20 interceptions as well. Uh, Integral part of that 85 defense. So plenty of safety talent. Corner talent just isn't as prolific in the Bears' history, but uh, I think those are two really good secondaries. I mean, those would those would be amazing. Yeah, I'd if you'd managed to get Jackson, you'd you'd have it all because with Tillman and Wolford, you've got two great starting outside corners, and if you get a little bit more range at free, like you said, the guy you play in the slot and the guy you play at strong, so many good candidates at strong, Parrish, Carrier, Fensick, Dewerson, all those guys. Um, so, yeah, they tend to matter a little bit less. But like you said, boundary corner talent a little bit more limited uh, historically. So getting the first one off the board and then being able to follow it up with Wolford, good good strategy i like it i'd probably give the nod to your group but like you said two good secondaries that you wouldn't mind starting on pretty much any given sunday 
Well, I thought that was the direction he would go with that 2-3 was Jackson Fuller, but there was part of me that thought you might double down on corners and and uh, leave me with the two safeties. And like I said, Well, in I'd, hindsight, uh, I should have. I should have gotten Wolford with one of those two picks um, and probably should have gone uh, – well, see, that's the thing is, is Wolford worth more than Jackson? Because I could have gone Fuller Wolford, but again, boundary corner is the is the limited quantity here, right? The scarcity of supply. Got to go with, and I went with one, but I could have gone with two. But then you're back down to free and saying, you know, and and Jackson honestly plays like a corner. He did play some corner at Alabama, right. so you're getting those that talent. If you drop him down on the line. You know, say you're playing a tighter coverage and you drop him down on the slot, you're getting a guy with corner-like skills. So kind of the same thing with Sean Gale just years and years later is you can play corner or safety. It doesn't really, doesn't really matter. It's just that defensive back label. So some great great skill mixes in both of those groups. But you, I think you definitely got the better starting outside corners. Well, what we'll do is we'll put this we'll put this on the Twitter after this episode hits and we'll put a poll up and see on the site and see who people think have the better secondary. There you go. All right. Well, let's talk about this secondary uh, and we'll we'll run through the players like we have in previous episodes. But I want to start with dealing with both of these guys at the same time, the both of the starters, I should say. So Kyle Fuller got first team all pro last year. He's entering his sixth season, believe it or not. He's a 2014 first rounder, 14th overall, famously one behind Aaron Donald. He is in the second year of a four-year contract. That contract's worth $56 million if he plays through it. On the other side's Prince Bukamaro, uh, more of a press man guy. He is entering his ninth season, a 2011 first rounder of the Giants, 19th overall. And he signed a three-year, $27 million extension. He's in the second year of that this year. Uh, just for you, for you cap nuts, we could move on from that contract next offseason for a minimal dead cap hit of $1 million. Um, I think one of the interesting things about this is that this group is probably the most experienced unit of the entire team. Uh, definitely has the most years of service. And you have two former first-round picks who at some points in their career were struggling, who seem to have found themselves. Uh, themselves. And I'm curious if you think that that's discovery by coaching of what technique works best, because if you watch Bears games and you watch the secondary, Kyle always lines up off the receiver. He always plays an off coverage. He's never going to press anybody. And Prince is always right up on a guy. He's going to press everybody off the line. And I'm just, I don't know how many teams play that technique so consistently with, with both players playing what they do best. Do you, do you have any insight into that of the, the evolution of those players and if that has helped them realize the players that they can be? I think it does, and I think it is, um, as you said, and I really think that's good coaching. I believe that coaches have to see and know um, better than their players what those players do best and what position they can put them in to succeed most often. And I tend to find that coaches who are more rigid about their system being the thing are less successful. Now, by that I mean down to the letter, 
Now, if you said, look, my system as a defensive coordinator for the Bears, if you said my system doesn't work unless I get two guys that get up in their face. So, Kyle, get up in this guy's face. And Kyle's not comfortable being up in that guy's face. Now, he can do it. He did it in college. But it's like you said, it's not where he's he's not living his best life if he's pressing everybody off the line. He can press a guy occasionally. It's not that he doesn't that he lacks the skill or the size. He has it, but it's not his preferred way of working. So instead, the DC says, look, I need you to cover this guy's route. You can cover him off man. You can cover him trail. You can cover him press, but here's what I need you to do. You find the way that it works best for you and just make sure you're in the right position at the right spots when that ball can be thrown. And as long as you do that, I'm not really going to, I'm not going to fuss too much about how you start the route. And that's going to be successful coaching. And same thing if they said, okay, Prince, you need to play trail all the time. You need to play off. And he's like, I really feel like I don't have the advantage if I'm not up there and don't get my hands on the guy. And it, you know, plays away from my strengths. And the DC says, I don't care. You can't touch him, right? You got to stay off. Um, Then you're limiting, you're making him uncomfortable, which is, there's a balance there between expanding a player's skills and forcing a square peg into a round hole. And I think the Bears have done a really good job, especially with Fuller, and it's taken a while, of finding out which hole he fits in and saying, hey, you're really good. We're going to allow you to do the thing because if we put you in the right spot, you're going to end up as a first-team All-Pro. Now, they didn't know that was going to happen necessarily, certainly not a couple of years ago um, when he was really you know, struggling coming off that offseason where he basically missed the entire year with, a, with an injury that you know never really got sort of fully revealed. But they've let him do it, and his skills are there. I mean, when I scouted Fuller, I was really excited. I remember Fuller was the first first-round pick in a while where we the Bears picked him, and I thought, wow, I like that pick. <laughs> and I remember, you know, posting it on the, the WCG board saying, it's so strange to be sitting here like, yep, that was a good pick. I actually enjoyed that. Like... <laughs> That was a it was a very odd feeling. I hadn't I hadn't felt that way about our first round picks in a while. So uh, I think it's it's a great combination. It's two guys that play do play very very differently, but they play pretty well together. And if they stay on the field, um, ton of experience, a uh, ton of skill, uh, as you know, as good a pair of starting corners as are out there. Um, they can provide a lot for the Bears. Now, if either one of them goes down, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Yeah, I wonder, Kyle, you know, started his career with such a such a high note. You know, he had that game against, I think it was 49ers, where he just had a couple mm-hmm. picks and just looked like he was just, he was going to be the greatest cornerback of all time. He just kind of came in with this instinctual play and just looked really good. And he just seemed to kind of fall apart. And then, like you say, he had the injury. We didn't really know what was going on with that. Got, I think he got benched at some point. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem like it was working well with him. They did not pick up his fifth-year option, because why would you with the history that he had? And then right. he came came to play and uh, you know, signed that deal with the Packers where the Bears could match and kept him here, and he played as a first-team All-Pro level last year. That's fantastic, and uh, that contract has already started paying off. And you know, entering his sixth season, he's he should be good to go. Prince, you know, ninth season for a corner, that's definitely starting to get up there, and you have to start to think about what is the replacement 
uh, plan for for Amukamara moving forward, but not this year. Like he's 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 right there. He's going to be uh, very important to the success of this defense. And so these guys are really good. And if you want to have one position group with a lot of experience, uh, corner is not a bad spot to have that in because it takes a long time to learn that position and to be successful uh, over time to learn route combinations and how to play in a specific defense and so really that's a pretty big advantage and then when you add Eddie Jackson and his range behind those two those guys can play their their best game and not worry about getting beat over the top because Eddie's going to be there for them yeah absolutely his his sort of halo effect that you mentioned on the success of the entire defense, really, it, it comes down to the linebackers as well, that he's got so much range and he's such a smart player in terms of positioning, knowing everybody's roles on the defense, being a quarterback back there. He was the same thing for Nick Saban in Alabama. He really does let everybody take a few more risks, play hard, gamble occasionally if they need to. It can't be understated how much they miss that when he's not on the field, both because of his physical range, but also because of his mental prowess. Yeah, exactly. So if we move on to the sl- the starting slot corner, so everybody now considers the that fifth defensive back, that slot corner, to be a, a starter. So you basically can mm-hmm. name 12 starters on a defense. So the Bears signed Buster Screen to a, a deal to be their new slot man after Bryce Callahan left. Uh, I think his reputation is that he's a little bit handsy, gets a lot of... Uh, pass interference penalties he's entering his ninth year as well so he was a 2011 fifth round pick signed a three-year deal this offseason came from the jets uh three years 16 and a half million for buster i do like the name buster screen because it sounds like something he would do in the backfield uh <laughs> so i just like that i like that name but uh, you know, we talked about we've talked about him a couple times. I don't know how much more we want to go into Buster Screen, but do you think that he is an upgrade over Bryce Callahan with his experience? Do you think that Bears coaching can help cut down the number of pass interference penalties? I mean, what is your outlook for Buster this year? I don't think it's necessarily an upgrade from Bryce Callahan when he was on the field. Uh, and playing his best football, which was which was fairly often when he was on the field, but the problem with Bryce Callahan was availability and injury. So in terms of pure pass coverage and athleticism, I don't know that screens an upgrade over Callahan because that would be a that would be a very high level of play. Callahan when he was on the field and operating well was was a very good slot defender, one of the top probably ten in the league. The problem was he wasn't always there. Um Screen is a bit more physical, a bit handsier, a bit more, I want to say, aggressive, and I mean aggressive physically. Um, So I think he can play well in the system. It'll be really interesting to see if those penalties come down with coaching or if they just again kind of go, well, we're going to take some of those because we like what he brings and he can frustrate slot corners. It's also got some positional flexibility. We talked about this in the fantasy draft. the ability to get outside if he needs to. He's got the size. He's got a little bit of experience out there. So he gives you a very a veteran presence in the slot. You don't have to bring in a rookie in the slot, which is a notoriously hard position to learn because the receiver can go any way. You can't press him against the boundary. So you got an experienced player coming in to kind of hold the high level of the defense. And I think if he does that, if he plays as well 
as Callahan did generally sort of statistically and as a cog in the defense, I think that's a win for the Bears. Well, so so we've been kind of dancing around it. So let's talk about that now. Let's say that that Kyle or Prince miss a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Well, have to miss a couple games. Now, do you think that they move screen to the outside, or do you think that they keep screen in the slot and they bring in someone else? And who is that <laughs> someone else to you? Yeah, that's the question, though, isn't it? Is, okay, if you lose a boundary corner, either one, for any reason, what happens? And I think they probably have to put screen on the outside for right now, unless a guy like Kevin Tolliver really steps up in camp, takes takes a jump, and shows that he can hold up week to week versus, you know, starting outside receivers in the NFL. And he's going to face some pretty darn good ones. As, you know, the NFC North has a fair amount of receivers. There's definitely some folks on the, on the Bears' schedule this year. But that's just the thing in the NFL, right, is everybody's got at least two receivers, so he's going to have to hold up versus quality starters on the outside. And I'm not sure... I Tolliver's not there now. doesn't mean he won't be this season, but in terms of what he showed us last year, I'm not super comfortable lining him up on the outside week after week. And there's not a lot of other guys on the Bears' defensive back rosters that look like they're starting outside corners. And that's true of a lot of teams, right? You're going to go really too deep at the starting outside corners, and then you're going to have a guy who's serviceable and can take you for a stretch. I'm not sure the Bears have that guy in place right now, so somebody's going to have to step up. And who knows, maybe if a guy, one of the guys we're going to talk about really soon here, the draft pick from this year, Duke Shelley, now he played outside. He's on the shorter side, so most everybody assumes that he goes to the slot, myself included. But one of the guys I picked in the historical fantasy draft, Tim Jennings, was like that as well. He's a very short corner, and he held up on the outside just fine. There are those guys that can do it. So maybe Shelley shows up in camp, and they say, hmm, you, you know, we'll give you a shot at outside. Or... Something like that happens, but I just don't think they have the experience. So if somebody goes down, if if Prince or Fuller goes down, I think Buster probably slides to the outside. He's got the size and the experience. Is he going to be as good as either of those two guys? I don't think he is. Is he going to be a terrible drop-off that teams are going to pick on immediately and score a bunch of touchdowns? I don't think that's the case either. So he gives you a bit of a stopgap, and then you can slide somebody into the slot, one of the younger guys. Well, that's one of those things where if you have an injury, do you make a move to slide somebody over where you theoretically get worse at two positions rather than just the one? But if you don't have anybody with the that's ready to go. So, I mean, Tolliver, just, you know, to kind of make sure everybody remembers, he was an undrafted free agent out of LSU last year, had a draftable grade on him. A lot of people were very excited about that particular pickup. And he won a spot on the roster last year. So he knocked off a couple guys that I think were, you know, legitimately competitive to that, to that spot. I think that they felt like they had to put him on the spot to protect him from somebody poaching him off the practice squad. Uh, and so basically what we're saying is, you know, if, if Kyle or, or Prince goes down, then they need to move Buster out and then take either a rookie Duke Shelley and bring him in in to get some slot reps or Sherrick McManus, who I assume is going to make this team as a special teams ace and the backup nickel, uh, 
McManus is unbelievably in his 10th season. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It just blew my mind uh, out of Northwestern. And he's, you know, just a really solid guy. Played really well for Callahan when he went down. You got you love guys like this who are really good on special teams and can step in at a pinch. And so I think that you're probably right that screen goes to the outside and McManus comes in unless one of these younger guys shows huge gains in a position that's really difficult to learn. Yeah, if you look at the roster in terms of who's on there, and a lot of fans are not going to know these names because they're either they're they're bottom of the roster guys. They're guys that came from the CFL. They're guys that um, are small college UDFA's. Um, guys like Josh Simmons. Uh, he's six three, two oh five. Came from Limestone. Had worked with Mike Furry, um, the Bears receiver coach, so he had some familiarity there. But they've stacked up these guys. Tolliver's six two, one ninety two. Josh Simmons is six three, two oh five. Um, Michael Joseph from Dubuque, who's in his now second year, he's a, he's a one-year player, 6'1", 187. And then, uh, another rookie, the guy they got from Fort Hayes State, um, and I'm going to butcher his name, Doyen Jibowu, um, 6'2", 200. So these are definitely the guys they've lined up that they could get their hands on that have size. They feel like they have skills they like, but look, none of them have the pedigree. And one of those guys, Jibowu, Joseph, um... Simmons or Tolliver is really going to have to say, Hey, I'm, I'm the guy you're going to keep as a, as a, you know, a fourth corner or a fifth corner, maybe even a sixth corner that really can play outside. Uh, Cause they got lots of guys that could play slot. We assume Shelly's going to be there. Uh, Jonathan Mincy came from the CFL. Um, Sherrick McManus is there. Um, there's uh, Clifton Duck, who's a UDFA. We didn't talk about Stephen Denmark, interestingly. I don't know if they're going to give... It'll be fascinating to see if they give him reps at corner or at safety. If they do give him reps at corner, he's definitely uh, going to be looked at at outside corner, just given that size. Right, he's so big, he, right. Yeah, he's really big. He's 6'3". Uh, what do they have him listed at? 6'3", 220. So if that guy can play corner, and physically, I mean, just from his testing numbers and some of his tape, he can play outside corner. Now, can he play it in the NFL? That's a different story. But I would give that guy some reps at outside corner, and if he looks like he can develop, you don't find those guys very often with that much size and that much athleticism. So, but again, do you want to trot Steven Denmark out there in week four, if Prince Mukamara goes down and say, okay, you're starting against you name it, you know, outside starting NFL wide receiver X. Mm, I think that's going to be a, a large leap from Valdosta state. I wouldn't be terribly comfortable with that. If I was a quarterback on the opposing side, I'd be, I'd be licking my chops. Well, and for a team that, looks to compete for a deep playoff run this year. That's not the type of depth that you want to challenge that's right. <laughs> yourself with. And so that's, yep. you know, four years ago, fine. You know, you got nothing to lose. Right. Throw a guy out there, see if he can develop, sink or swim. Yep. Great. But you can't afford game reps for someone that early in the learning curve on, a again, a difficult position to learn. So, yeah, and, yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk about Denmark. I didn't even have him written down. 
because I keep thinking he's a safety, and I, that's that's my my mistake. If he does end up being a corner, I just for some reason I just have him as the strong safety. That that's what they want to groom. Lots of people have him listed there. It's not a mistake. It's just going to be fascinating to see if they do sort of slide him out to corner and say, hey, let's let's see, get a couple of reps against NFL receivers and see if you're clearly outmatched or. Hey, this guy can hang, and he's six three two twenty. Let's give this a shot. So it'll be fascinating. They may not. They may very well just pigeonhole him in and say, "Look, you're you know you're the third string, you know strong safety. See if you can move your way up, something like that." But it'll be fascinating because he does have a rare size skill blend. So if he can match up against tight ends running that seam route, because mm-hmm. he's got the size, now that's a pretty good place to be and i kind of like the idea of him screaming off the edge on a oh, safety he blitz. loves to hit he's extremely physical so that won't be a problem you know lining that guy up having him blitz he'd be all about it um he can absolutely counter you know he's as big as some of those move tight ends you know right. uh, guys like trey burton outweigh him by 10 pounds and they're the same size or shorter like he's he's gonna bully those guys so He's a fascinating player. It'll be interesting to see. But again, we are talking about a rookie from Valdosta State who was picked in the seventh round. This is this is not a, you know, immediate starter on a championship caliber NFL team, which is I think what everybody is starting to agree the Bears are. Well, and this is I to me this is the position of group to watch going forward because, you know, as much as I like Mukamara, he is getting up there, and at some point we are going to need to start restocking the shelves if these younger guys are the answer then that's great but this is this is a a position that we're going to need to see uh, more influx of talent on so it's it's a experienced group i I like the starters i even like screen i think that's a it's a good thing to have an experienced slot guy to 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 pair with your two experienced outside corners you've got experience in the safeties and so the secondary is you know, should be really strong if they can stay healthy and stay on the field. And I, I just, I really like them. I am very interested to see if any of these younger guys get any reps and and, and see what they can do with them when, when they are on the field. And that'll be the that'll be the big question. That's that's pretty exciting if you can watch a guy develop into a starter. Yeah, there's one alternative, which is to watch the end of you know end of off season cutdowns, right? Preseason cutdowns. If an experienced corner. Um, maybe has a little bit too much contract um somebody uh, in somebody else's camp as a rookie just shines and they go hey we can get out from under this guy i could see pace and company you know signing a one-year deal to an experienced guy somebody that has seven or eight years in the nfl who's played outside corner and maybe they look at all these young guys and say "Mm, doesn't look like any of them's cutting this year we're gonna you know, we're going to put a couple of them on the practice squad, but we really can't afford to trot any of those guys out there. And final cuts, I could see them picking up an outside corner because it is one of those sort of places where depth is not exceptional. Let's put it that way. That's a really good point. We'll keep a we'll keep an eye on that as camp cut downs start to happen and see if anybody's squeezed out of a veteran contract that might be interesting. I don't know how much cap room the Bears have to work with this year, but if a guy's looking to just you know, just take a year to kind of reset, join a team that looks like they're going to compete for a championship. That can be pretty appealing to a lot of veteran guys. So yeah. we'll definitely keep an eye on that. 
Exactly. That's that's exactly the kind of scenario that could play out. And the Bears weren't in that spot two years ago. They are now. And somebody might say, "Hey, I'll take a, you know, I'll take six or seven million bucks to to do a one year deal, rehab my image a little bit, and maybe take a run at a ring." There's one guy that you, you we mentioned, but we didn't really talk about it at all. And I don't know a lot about him. What do you know about Jonathan Mincy? Uh, I like that Mincy. He's an Auburn guy. Yeah, he came out of Auburn. Uh, He played for Montreal in the CFL. Had a pretty good um, run there. Definitely showed the ability to play slot. He's 5'10", 196. Physical guy. He's 26 years old. Uh, Good experience in the wide-open CFL CFL offenses, which used to be less applicable in the NFL. And now, as, as the NFL goes more to spread systems, it's more applicable. So I think Mincy's got a chance to stick on the roster. Definitely more as a slot corner. I don't see him as an outside guy, but he's got some experience playing in pro systems. He's going to have a leg up being a pro um, on some of these rookies and UDFAs. So I think Mincy could be a sleeper to make the 53 really depends. Again, that fifth, sixth defensive back or fifth, sixth corner uh, needs to play well on special teams. He has a little bit of experience there, but he'd have to play well there. And he really was going to have to come in and, and compete with guys like Sherrick McManus, who are doing the exact same thing. Special teams ace. Sherrick McManus played really well when he got on the field with the primary defense last yeah, year. Did. It was surprising to me. He definitely improved. And you see guys like that. The Bears have had a history of guys like Corey Graham, who were special teamers, came in, played you know pretty darn well. The Bears didn't see it that way, let him go, and they went on to have long careers with, with other teams. So McManus is a guy that's going to be hard to displace, but he is 31 years old. And Mincy's got a chance to slide on as, as that sort of backup slot fifth six corner if he can play decently on special teams so he's a guy to keep an eye on and i think you know the biggest advantage he's got is knows how to be a pro has had a bunch of pro reps um has been with the team a year now um when i got reminded of him was when um rookie minicamp because he only had he had less than a full year of uh service in an nfl contract so he was able to attend rookie minicamp and i was like oh yeah jonathan mincy so skilled guy obviously played in the sec went on played some professional football in Canada I think he's got a I think he's got a shot so it'd be fascinating to watch Mincy's progress versus this whole host of other guys as we start a sort of start to stratify these guys and sort them out and see who looks like you know um the real deal might make the 53 and who's going to be a practice squad only candidate if that I've got an off the wall question for you sure so the CFL which you live near a CFL team you're Pretty close to the yeah, uh, BC Lions. The, the Lions. Um, the CFL, I, for, for those fans that are listening to this that have never watched a CFL game or have no familiarity with it, their field is longer and wider, and they have these like huge end zones. Yep, 20 yards deep. And I'm curious if you think, given the height, weight, speed of all the NFL players and the increase in that over the years and the – desire for more player safety mm-hmm. if there might be an interest in widening the playing field so that you have uh, more room and so you don't have this like small tiny sandbox that players can ram into each other that's a fascinating question in terms from a player safety aspect standpoint um does give a very different feel to the game the other 
major thing besides the dimensions of the CFL that give it a very different feel is three downs, right? It's three down football. So you got to get what you got to get your 10 yards and three downs, basically. So definitely more wide open. Uh, CFL has been passed first for a while. You see a lot less of um, uh, heavy sets, uh, tight stacks, uh, power running. That kind of thing is has not been present in the CFL for a long time. The backs are smaller, quicker. Uh, the gaps between the offensive linemen larger. Um, so. All that stuff plays in. It's a fascinating question. I don't think the NFL would change the size of the field more for tradition than anything else. Uh, it's kind of like asking if, you know, since basketball players have gotten so much bigger, I don't know if you've ever been to an NBA game or if you've been to one recently. Those guys are so huge. <laughs> Uh, you know, you're talking about guys that are 6'8", 260, um, mm-hmm. and they just take up so much more space. Um, it, you'd be like, hey, let's make the court bigger. Let's make it the international court. Let's give these guys a little bit more real estate to, to open it up. I don't think the NBA is changing the size of the court anytime soon. And the NFL, I think, is kind of the same way. They've got the size of their field, especially the end zones. Um, there's a there's a definite thing about compressing in the red zone and, and not having as much effectiveness because you can use the back of the end zone as an extra defender, really. Um, I don't think they would. Uh, I think they'd do a lot of other things for player safety before they do that. Let's put it that way. Well, I don't think they'd make it uh, longer. Yeah. And I don't think that they'd widen the end zone, like uh, make the end zones 20 yards. I don't think yeah. those things are are really applicable. But I, I, I'm curious about the width. That's the one that I'm kind of curious about to see if you play more laterally and if that helps kind of reduce some of like the, you know, the sideline yeah. hits where you've got those – you know, just vectors coming at each other and smashing, and physics takes over. I don't know, just, oh, yeah. you know, just just a thought. But, um, all right, well, I, I have one philosophical question for you. Maybe it's not philosophical. Maybe it's just fun. But we just got done talking about Bears wide receivers. Now we're talking about Bears corners. we got experienced corners. We've got certainly some experience at wide receiver with Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. We've got some youth though with uh, Anthony Miller and we've got, um, you know, some, some younger players that are hopefully going to fight to get on the field in practice. Who do you think has the upper hand, the bears wide receivers or the bears corners? Yeah, this is a great question. You posed this one uh, to me earlier in the week and I, I love the question. It's just a fascinating question. So kudos to you for putting together a really good one. Typically, the defense gels more quickly um, and plays more aggressively sooner. Usually, the offense has a little bit more nuance, timing. They need to polish a few more things up. So almost always, the offense is behind the defense, um, especially in the NFL. However, there's a couple things that play against that this year. One is you've got a new defensive coordinator, and the same offensive coordinators with you mm-hmm. know Nagy and Helfrich. So you're going to have a little bit less familiarity because not everything Pagano does is going to be the same as everything Fangio did. So the defense is going to be learning. And the other thing is, as the balance, that is the number of wide receivers, increases, I think their depth is better for the reasons we just talked about uh, than the defense's you know, the defensive backfields is. 
as you get into three and then four and even possibly five wide receiver sets, I think the top five wide receivers are better than the top five corners. So if you play more wide receivers, I think it really starts to shade for the offense. Trubisky's got second year in the system. There have been a lot of sort of, if you've been listening, early whispers about how much he's improved and what the night and day difference is between learning a new system and going into last year with a new coach, a lot of new teammates, a new offensive system this year. Almost all those things are the same. Um, the only you know major new addition to the offense is really David Montgomery, and that's who you're handing off to, not who you're throwing to. That's a lot less timing. So I'd say I'd lean a little bit towards the offense, which is atypical. Usually you'd lean towards the defense, but they've got a new coordinator. And again, when you start factoring depth in, I think the offense is a little bit deeper than the defense. Well, I think I agree with you, but just think about this, guys. Allen Robinson versus Kyle Fuller on one side. Prince Mukamara versus Taylor Gabriel on the other. And then working in the slot is Anthony Miller against Buster Screen. Like, we all need to go to camp. We all need to be watching this because this is going to be fun. We're going to, to watch camp, these guys. We're, we're going to do camp, it, man. We're, we're going to do camp. it. We're going to announce dates soon, but uh, several of us are headed to camp, and we're going to open it up to the rest of the WCG crew as well. And once we do that, we'll open it up to to Windy City Gridiron and tell you guys when we're going to be there. We're going to be making a bunch of content, um, recording podcasts. We'll be hanging out at camp for the days we can get in there and and. Uh, probably be about town trying some beers in the evenings and uh, it's going to be super fun i'm looking forward to it because pretty much every position group we go through there are great interesting questions to watch young guys to develop see how the coaching and the scheme starts to gel on the defensive side there's just so many angles it's going to be a great time well you mentioned a couple things so let's just talk about that uh we've got two position groups left that we want to cover on podcasts one of them is just Linemen. We're going to try to do offensive and defensive line in the same show. Maybe it breaks out into two, but we're going to try to do it one. Um, and then, and that's going to be fun because I love offensive line play. And then we're going to we're going to aim to do an entire episode on Mitchell Trubisky and his development, and just going to start from the beginning and see where he's at and where he needs to be uh, this year for us to, you know, sign off on him. And then we've got some good interviews that we've got lined up that we're really excited about, too. So we've got a lot of content that we're going to be producing here in the next couple months. Summer will be over before we know it, and we'll get you into fall and game day. So um, definitely excited about that. You mentioned trying beers while we're at camp. I want to know how that beer was that you just had during this episode. Yeah, I am almost done with the good old Kiwanda pre-prohibition cream ale. By the way, that's K-I-W-A-N-D-A, Kiwanda. Um, and it's great. It's clean drinking. It's a little bit more. I, it's funny. Sometimes I think this is, uh, you know, the description influencing your brain. I read that sort of floral finish thing and thought, huh, I thought it was a little bit sweeter last time. Not, I wouldn't describe it as floral this time. I'm tasting a little bit more of that sort of, uh, I think floral is a great way to put it, but it does have a, a light finish, fairly crisp finish. I'm almost done with the 22 ounces here and, um, I could, absolutely go for another bottle it's that kind of beer uh it's delightful stuff i would highly recommend pelican brewing i've had several several of theirs um several different styles and they're all quite good um i gotta ask about that mudslide in a bottle that you've got 
Well, it's a porter, so it's not as heavy as a stout. And it's only 6.2%. So, <laughs> only like, I you. just got to, you know, I, well, I've just got to tell you, like, it's not like, it, it didn't pour like motor oil, like some of the stuff that I have. And it's not like, you know, 12% or anything like right. that. It's only 6.4. It's not so barley it's wine and lumpy chocolate. <laughs> which I've had. Yeah, and it's that, sure. that has its place, too. That's right. Uh, no, it's, it's really good. And it's a funny name. I assume it's taken from the Will Ferrell thing, uh, Sweet Baby Jesus. Yeah. So that's pretty funny. And uh, it's my first offering from Duclaw, but I would say that it's really good, and I would certainly have more, which is good because I have an entire six-pack of it. Uh, disappointing if you don't like the first one of a six-pack because you get yeah. five to pawn off to friends or That's leave right. on the leave on the doorstep when you leave a party. But this one's definitely <laughs> one that I'll keep drinking, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. So um, Awesome. Yeah, all right. Well, why don't you uh, get us out of here, and we'll start working on the, the offensive lineman episode. Absolutely. We'll get to what's next, but go ahead and follow the podcast. It's got its very own Twitter handle at bears over beers. Uh, both Jeff and I tend to tag posts that go in there. can always interact with us there, or you can find Jeff at Gridironborn on Twitter. I'm at the draftsman FB as in football. You can find our work on Windy City Gridiron, of course. That's where the podcast goes up, along with the work of Lester Wilfong. He has his T-Formation Conversation podcast, and Robert Schmitz has Bear With Me. Uh, some great content both guys we're really familiar with, who we've all sort of guested on each other's pods and will continue to do so. Sounds like Robert's going to come to camp with us, which should be great fun. And uh, until then, go ahead and 